Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Falcoholics. What is up? Welcome to another episode of the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic. Kevin here to bring you the final edition of the Falcons mock draft that I will be doing by myself here on the show. This will not be the last mock draft you'll see with me involved, I guarantee it, uh, for this cycle because we will still be doing a patron mock draft on Monday night at 6 p.m. Eastern. So tonight, if you're listening to this on Monday, uh, so if you're a patron, make sure you're there. If you're not a patron, you can sign up on Patreon.com right now. Patreon.com slash Live and join us for what's going to be a really fun show there. You'll also get another live mock draft on Wednesday night's Falcoholic Live at 8 p.m. Eastern. But this is going to be my last solo venture. My best guess, I'm going to throw out all of the hypotheticals, throw out all of the speculation. This is 100%, you know, direct line to the Falcons information here, right? No, not really. This is just my best guess. This is what I think that is most likely to happen on draft night um, based on mostly gut stuff because, you know, I'm not uh, a true insider. You know, you know, unlike Aaron Freeman, I don't have Terry Fontenot texting me every morning, you know, what the Falcons draft plans are. So um, <laughs> shout out to Aaron for that. But uh, yeah, I, we're going to, I'm going to try my best to, to predict this and, if I get one of the picks right, I'll probably be pretty happy. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I do think this is a very interesting uh, draft cycle for the Falcons. There's really not a lot of clear buzz in any specific direction. There is a little bit, that, and we'll get to that pretty quickly here. Uh, but really, this is a unique spot. I think back in 2021, which was the first draft class with Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith, it became pretty clear that they were going to take Kyle Pitts, even though I was, you know, really pushing the Justin Fields narrative for those that were uh, watching the show way back in 2021. Seems like so long ago now, right? But um, it was pretty clear that they were going to take Kyle Pitts, and, and that sort of coalesced. In 2022, I was very much adamant that they weren't going to take a receiver. I thought it was dumb and all that stuff. Obviously, I was wrong, um, but I was sort of going against the reporting, which did really coalesce again around a player late in the process. And that player was Drake London. It became pretty buzzy that Drake London that was, was going to be drafted by the Falcons at eight. And that did end up happening. We haven't gotten that steady buzz for any particular player yet here in Atlanta. Um, so there are a couple guys uh, that we've talked about. I think there's definitely some guys that if they were to fall, the, the Falcons would happily scoop up. Um, but we're going to get into a scenario here. As always, we're going to talk about the first seven picks from the mock draft machine on the draft network, how the start of this draft happened, and then go into my selections. Before we do, want to bring you some words from today's uh, sponsor, betonline.ag, your number one source for all your sports betting needs, including info, stats, news, and scores. You can get the latest odds and lines right now for this year's ongoing NBA playoffs, or perhaps 
Uh, you're feeling confident in the Falcons or another NFL team. You can bet on NFL futures already. Uh, and if you want to get out ahead of the draft, this would be a good time to do that. If you're you know confident in the Falcons, which if you watch this show, maybe you're a little too confident in the Falcons uh, based on what I've been telling you. But you can bet now on that or I think all the way up to the NFC Championship and Super Bowl if you're feeling especially spicy. Um, but no matter what you do, bet online is always your sports information headquarters this season and every season as they've got you covered for all your sports wagering needs, whether that's basketball, MLB, NHL hockey, all the way to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and favorite casino and card games. You can play right from your home. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Guys, how do you, how you th- I think I'm getting better at those, but you guys let me know in the comments what you think about that. But I really appreciate Bet Online for their support of the show. Um, let's dive right in, guys. So the first seven picks in this mock draft went like this. Uh, fairly chalky uh, draft network simulator. Still uh, has some interesting guys going at the top. So pick one, the Carolina Panthers selected quarterback Bryce Young out of Alabama. That pick seems pretty much locked in according to the recent buzz, right? So I think we're going to probably see Bryce Young go number one. I think he deserves to go number one. I think he's the best quarterback in this class. So no argument for me there. Uh, the simulator agrees with me that I just don't see the Houston Texans passing on CJ Stroud. Um, I, I really don't buy that they're not taking a quarterback. I think it would be really foolish to, to not do that. Why take a quarterback at 12, which seems to be sort of the buzz, like, oh, well, they can just try to get somebody at 12 or trade up. Why trade up or or take somebody at 12 if you're not, like, are you really not willing to take a quarterback at two, but you are at 12? I mean, if you like one of these guys, then you take them. If you don't, then you don't at either pick. So, um, you are they going to play the quarterback game again? I mean, this would be, what, two, three years in a row now where they've just not gotten a solution at quarterback I just don't buy it so I do agree with the simulator that we're going to see the Texans pick a quarterback in this case it's CJ Stroud I still think that he's the most likely guy to go there the Cardinals very chalky uh as the simulator won't trade with itself I think this is a spot where we're likely to see a trade up uh but the Cardinals here do take Will Anderson out of Alabama the Colts then scoop up quarterback Anthony Richardson this one is definitely um This is where I would go. There does seem to be a lot of buzz building around the Colts and Will Levis yet again. And, you know, it it does seem to make some sense for them, right? That that, that is the type of guy that they've covered in the past. So the Will Levis pick wouldn't shock me. (laughs) I wouldn't take him over Anthony Richardson, but, you know, that's just sort of where where we are. Uh, But again, uh, that one... uh, So I, I think the simulator is correct here that it will ultimately be Anthony Richardson, but, you know, can never discount Will Levis. Uh, pick five, Seattle Seahawks go with defensive tackle Jalen Carter. I think this one's pretty likely to happen. If Carter, I, I don't, I think if either Seattle will take him here, the Lions will take him at six, or he's going to fall. Because um, I think if both of those teams pass, it's probably telling you that, probably telling you that there there is something to the off-field stuff. Can't really comment on that because I don't have any information whatsoever. So um, I do think that's the information that we'll, we'll get, though. If he does fall past those two teams, which both could really use him, both teams that typically are, are willing to take chances on guys. Uh, if they're not interested, then I think that should probably tell you something. Um, at six, the Detroit Lions go with an edge rusher here. They go with Tyree Wilson, so they take him off the board for Atlanta. And then at pick seven, the Las Vegas Raiders take cornerback Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. Once again, taking one of Atlanta's top targets off the board. Um, and once again, 
we're in a situation where only three quarterbacks go in the top seven. I, I think the chances of that happening, maybe 50, 50. Um, I, I do think in this scenario, Atlanta would have maybe some options to trade down for someone looking to come up to potentially get Will Levis, who's the one left on the board here. I think, it's more likely that the Cardinals will trade out of three. We'll get a quarterback there and then we'll get a quarterback at four as well. So the quarterbacks will all be gone. And that in theory should help the Falcons have another option on the board here. But as the board stands right now, Tyree Wilson, Christian Gonzalez, two guys that I think the Falcons would love to come away with if they could, Um, you know, Jalen Carter too, if he's still on their board, obviously they'd be happy to get him. He's gone. Wilson's gone. Gonzalez is gone. So the Falcons are in a, a bit of a tough spot here. Um, I think there's a couple guys to consider here at, at this point. Um, obviously you've heard everything I have to say about Bijan Robinson. I'm not going to go there today. Uh, I will stand on my previous Bijan Robinson mock as, you know, I think that there's a good chance that they would consider him and take him here. Uh, but we're not going to do that again. Um, but that's definitely one to keep in mind, uh, for sure. Uh, another one would be Nolan Smith. He seems to be sort of the buzziest guy, right? Um, but ultimately, I, I don't, I just don't believe it. I guess it seems too buzzy, like like too many people are getting onto it. Um, so I just, I don't know. It, it, Nolan Smith to me, looking at the depth chart, looking at what they have at edge. Yes, they have a couple of guys on one year deals, but they they do already have sort of a lot of that type of rusher here. Um, you know, with Lorenzo Carter, with Arnold Ebikitty, with D'Angelo Malone. Do they really need more of that guy? To add to to make that just a really really crowded group of outside linebackers, I think they're looking for more of that bigger body guy, um, and that would have been Tyree Wilson. He's the only one of this group I would probably consider here. I, I don't really think that highly of Miles Murphy or, or Lucas Van Ness as, as like top ten picks. I mean, certainly first rounders. But um, where you go, where I end up going after that is offensive line, um, and you know. That's probably that's where I'm going to go today. I do think it's worth mentioning Devon Witherspoon is still here as well. Um, and we did just get, you know, during this mock draft, uh, <laughs> the news that Casey Hayward was uh, released by the Falcons. So there is a bit, a little bit of a hole opening up on the cornerback depth chart. However, I think I think Casey Hayward was sort of slotted in to be like the fourth corner for Atlanta. So I, I don't really think it, it pushes cornerback up the board at this point. I think... If they view Witherspoon like that, um, and I I would consider Witherspoon here, he'd probably be, after Bijan, I think he would be the guy I would target at this spot. But we're not going to go Bijan, and I, I don't really know that they're going to go for Witherspoon here. And I've already mocked Witherspoon to the Falcons before, so let, let's do something a little bit different, right? And the one position I, I think we haven't talked about enough is offensive line. I, I think that... They can get the top offensive lineman here if they want. We know that this team values the best player available. And I I do think there's a scenario where they could have an offensive lineman as their best player available here. Um, And the one that I haven't mocked to the Falcons yet of the sort of big three guys is Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern. Uh, If you listen to the show, the last mock draft, we did the the collaborative mock draft with Will McFadden. I also talked about Peter Skaronsky at eight and, and I'm, making the same argument here that he does make a lot of sense for Atlanta, super high character guy, pro ready, the best offensive lineman on tape, clearly in this class. 
I think he could be a perennial Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl guard. You know, the one question, of course, is like, is are you taking a guard in the top eight picks, really? Um, and and if you and I would say the same exact thing, I would make the argument for Bijan, right? If you view this guy as a can't miss, can't miss blue chip potential All Pro, you know, player, then you then then debt sure take him yes take him at eight like the only positions I would say don't do that would be like you know kicker punter uh long snapper no no offense to those guys uh but like guard center if you think you have like an elite pro bowl type of guy available to you then do it if you have a, a strong conviction about a player being a hit for you you should do it because guess what more than 50 percent roughly 50 percent a first rounder is just straight up bust. So if you have strong feelings about a player being a really good player, um, I would encourage teams to to do that. And I would I would think the Falcons would consider Skaronski as well. And I don't personally view him as a tackle. I know that's maybe contentious to some people, but um, he he has basically thirty two inch arms. I think it's thirty two and a quarter inch arms. That is fourth percentile for an offensive tackle. Um, when it, he would have some of the shortest arms ever for an offensive tackle in the NFL. It didn't really hurt him much in college. You definitely saw him struggle with length sometimes, but it wasn't his technique was good enough that he was able to overcome it, but he's going to be playing long, strong prototype guys every single week, every single game in the NFL. So that weakness NFL teams will know about it. They will exploit it. They will target it with their with their longest guys to really put pressure on Skaronsky. And can he be like a, a starting caliber tackle? I think that he still could be, yes. But I, I don't think you're maximizing his value and letting him really excel if you put him at tackle. I think he has the flexibility to kick out there if, if you need a tackle in a pinch, right? Like in a game situation or if you have injuries and... and he may be better than your swing tackle out there. He he may be someone that, look, maybe you need someone to fill in a tackle for a couple of weeks. You don't want to shuffle your roster too much. I, I think he absolutely can do that and be a, a solid tackle. But I think at guard, he has a, a Pro Bowl ceiling, a really, really, really high ceiling. Um, and I, I think he's a pro-ready guy. People forget he was originally recruited uh, to Northwestern, he was one of the top offensive line recruits in the country as an interior offensive lineman, not a tackle because of the the length concerns. So he, I would guarantee you he's played, you know, some guard, some center, perhaps. If not, you know, on, on game day, it's something that he's familiar with that he's probably cross-trained at. I would be shocked if he hasn't. Um, and I think that he will take to it pretty quickly. They're going to have him play left guard. He's been playing left tackle, so he doesn't have to change up his footwork in terms of the side of the offensive line, which is also a big transition um, that he's not going to have to do. And we know the Falcons love to convert tackles to guards. They've done it multiple times already. Jalen Mayfield, Elijah Wilkinson. Um, I, I think that uh, Peter Skaronski isn't a very sexy pick. You know, offensive line, especially interior offensive line, never really a sexy pick here, but I, I think... They'll love Skaronsky from a football character perspective. He's super smart. Um, I think there's there's a long term, long term uh, path here for him to play guard or maybe even convert to center at some point. Um, and you'll have just a, a stalwart guy on your offensive line. And look, one of the best ways to help your rookie—you're not a rookie anymore, obviously with Desmond Ritter—but your young quarterback succeed is to give him a strong offensive line, a strong running game, some weapons that he can get the ball to quickly, easily, effectively. And the Falcons have delivered the run game. 
as much as I like Bijan, they don't necessarily have to add Bijan specifically to keep this run game afloat. They can take a running back later, um, and they will in this mock. And um, the offensive line is the one other area that they, they haven't really addressed. They did bring back Caleb McGarry, obviously. They re-signed Chris Lindstrom to that big deal, and they've got Jake Matthews at left tackle. Drew Dominant center, who he was decent, right? Solid starter. Need more from him, I think. But I think of anyone, the team is probably most likely to bet on Dalman as as their guy. Um, left guard has not been touched. So either they love Matt Hennessy, Justin Schaefer, or Jalen Mayfield, or they're planning to address it with a big-time draft pick. Um, whether that's here or on day two, not sure. But I, I think it could easily be Peter Skaronsky. Um, So that's where I'm going here in the final mock draft with Skaronsky heading to the Falcons at eight, giving them what could potentially be the best offensive line in the NFL. We've seen that as a path to success for a lot of successful franchises uh, and the Falcons, you know, could be another one to, to go that route. And the other part of the equation is look Skaronsky as a guard, you know, the, the rookie contract here isn't super cheap, but it's definitely cheaper than paying a premium guard. Um, still, I believe he'll be about the 19th highest or so paid guard in the NFL as uh, over the course of the rookie contract. And that, that will go down too, because, you know, obviously over the course of the next four years, we're going to get more guards signing big deals. Um, so it'll get pushed down maybe into the the mid to lower twenties. And if you think he can be a top 10 guard, then you're going to get plenty of value out of this deal. Even if it's not as good as, you know, hitting on a top edge or a top corner at this spot, if you're much more confident in Peter Skaronsky being that top 10 caliber player, then I think you don't hesitate and make that pick here. Um, All right, moving forward to round two, pick 44. This is another one that if you listen to the collaborative mock draft the other day, it'll it'll be familiar to you. Uh, And I, I have a pretty good feeling that this is sort of the spots the Falcons are targeting in the second round. I don't I don't think it's been picked up a lot by the national media or a lot of folks, but we did get a piece of buzz that the Falcons were targeting two spots on day two pretty heavily. Um, doesn't mean they're guaranteed to draft them, but that they're, they're really strongly considering it. It was wide receiver and safety, and I think a lot of people saw that and said, oh, they're targeting a wide receiver in the second round. Maybe they're looking to get their safety in the third round. I think it's actually the opposite. I have safeties I I like here better than receivers typically. And I think out of the names that they visited with, out of the names that that I think they'll like, Sidney Brown from Illinois at 44 is the one that I think they'll end up with here. I do think there's a pretty solid chance that if somehow Brian Branch falls, especially out of the first round, that the Falcons will make a a strong effort to to trade up and get him. I think they love Brian Branch. He'd be such a great addition to the secondary. Um, I don't think he falls past 24 with the Jaguars personally, but if he does start to tumble, I think they'll, they'll make an attempt to get up for uh, Ryan Branch. But the other side of the coin is I'm making the pick here at 44 because I didn't want to add trades. That's just way too much complexity for a, a final predictive mock draft. But as I've said in previous shows, right, the Falcons have traded off their original second round pick in both of their drafts under Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith. So I think they are going to be strongly considering that again and with the with the team trading away their fifth round pick to get Jeff Okuda I think this is a spot where they could move down a little bit pick up a fourth rounder um to replace that pick that they lost maybe get rid of those sevenths also to to to, you know sweeten the pot and then you know help us all out and not have to stay late on day three um but I do wonder uh 
you know, if this is a potential trade down spot as well. And I think they could still get Sidney Brown in the fifties. Uh, so that's a strong consideration, but if they had to stay at 44, I think they're comfortable taking Sidney Brown here. Um, it on it, on its face, I think people look at the depth chart and see Jesse Bates and Richie Grant. And they're like, well, the third, you're going to take a third safety high. This is, this is a, a secondary that I think really wants to add that big nickel type of guy to the rotation. Um, think about CJ Gardner Johnson and what he was able to bring to the saints, what he was able to bring to the Eagles. I think that's the type of presence they want to add here. Um, and Sidney Brown is, is exactly that type of player. He's someone who has a lot of experience playing the slot, physical guy, uh, very good in coverage, very good in man. Love his instincts. Uh, there's a lot to really like about Sidney Brown. He's been very productive, uh, in terms of his ball skills as well. Um, and you know, outside of his height, he's only five ten. Um, he's he's a pretty good size safety, right? He's over two hundred pounds, two ten. He does have pretty good length. Things everything considered, right? He's got over thirty one and a half inch arms, which is fiftieth percentile, so solid length. Um, so that the height's not going to hurt him as much as it as it as you might think. But um, you know, he's very physical. He's tough. Uh, love his attitude. He hasn't been a his his tackling hasn't been. I guess I would say the most consistent it's there's a high level of effort. The technique has been a bit lacking. It, that's something that's very coachable, very, very coachable. Um, I'm not concerned. I don't think the Falcons would be either about getting that coached up because everything else he offers in coverage and in terms of his instincts and play recognition and all those things. Um, I think Sidney Brown makes a ton of sense for this team. And I, I think, I think he's a name you need to circle and, and pay attention to on day two uh, for Atlanta. Going on to round three, this is one we've talked about a lot um, and and one that I just feel really strongly about. We'll see if it ends up being true. That's why receiver Jonathan Mingo at pick 75 out of Ole Miss. Um, And look, you know, we've seen Mingo go in the first round now in in a mock draft. I don't think that's particularly likely to happen, but, you know, it's possible he does go before this pick. But if he makes it to 75, I, I think that the Falcons really would love to add him. Really high effort run defender. Offers a lot after the catch. That's something that the Falcons are currently lacking. He's big. He's physical. Very athletic. Much more athletic, I think, than a lot of people thought. Um, And I think he fills a role that the Falcons don't have right now in terms of that yards after catch guy, that that short to intermediate threat. Um, And I, I think you can have Mingo in here as your wide receiver three as a rookie, and he can, I think, grow eventually into a wide receiver two role. Um... And look, the run blocking, it's really important to this regime, clearly. Uh, and, and I think that, that Mingo is one of the best in the class at that aspect. And that'll help him get on the field. Uh, that'll help him get on the field early. So I love Mingo. I think it's it's a logical, really strong fit. We've talked about it a lot, so I'm not going to talk too long. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's a good fit here. If he if he makes it to 75, I think you could pencil, pencil this one in uh, as a very, very likely selection in the third round. Uh, going round four, pick 110. This is where we're going to add that running back. Um, and again, I, I love Bijan. I wouldn't hesitate to add him at eight, but they don't have to go the Bijan route. They do have to add another running back, whether it's here, whether it's at eight, whether it's later. The, the running back depth chart needs it bad because they've got Tyler Algier, who has had a, a very encouraging rookie season. And I, I like Tyler Algier, and I think you would be comfortable going into the season with your clear with him as your clear-cut RB1, but he's just one man. Cordero Patterson is more of like a complimentary guy uh, at best at this point. I don't think he's someone you want taking a high volume of carries. And right now, 
if Algier were to miss time, Patterson is the guy that's going to have to go in there and take a bunch of carries. And we've seen that that will cause him to sort of break down over the course of the season. We don't want that. We want Patterson to stay fresh and dynamic and effective, not wear him down with a bunch of grinding carries over the course of a game. So the other guy that's always mentioned is Caleb Huntley, but he's Huntley's coming off an Achilles injury guys. I, I, I don't think people understand how serious that injury is. I don't think it's career ending anymore. Like it had, it had been for a while, but it, it could easily take him, all or most of the 2023 season to return from that Achilles injury. And maybe he comes back early, has a quick turnaround. I I would caution you to, to not expect that, um, to, to be very skeptical of Huntley being available to do much at all this season. Long-term, you know, maybe. Um, and I think Huntley as like an RB3, RB4 long-term is still very much something this team wants. But this season, they need somebody else in here. Bad. So... They, they need to grab somebody else. Avery Williams, as much as, as good as he is as a returner, maybe he continues to grow as a runner. But again, this is a very small player. He's not taking a high volume of carries. They need somebody else that's able to come in here and take 10 carries, take 15 carries, somebody that's used to carrying that sort of workload um, to help keep Tyler Algier fresh and to give the Falcons something they don't already have. And one of my favorite guys in this range, and now, now that he's starting to be mocked more into the fourth round again, is Tajay Spears out of Tulane. Uh, I love Tajay Spears. One of the most fun tape watches of of the year. You know, <laughs> just his tape is so much fun to watch. Um, he crushed the Senior Bowl. We know how important that is to the Falcons. Uh, they really value those Senior Bowl standouts. He's a really good player. He checked a big box by, by weighing in over 200 at the NFL Combine and at the Senior Bowl. He kept the weight on, right? So um, he's not like a huge back right five nine and a half or so a little bit over 200 uh but doesn't really lack for for anything i mean i think he's pretty well bound pretty well rounded uh wasn't really heavily utilized as a receiver but at the senior bowl he caught a ton of passes and just looked awesome um where spears really really makes his money is that as soon as if he gets past the line of scrimmage to the second level it is a nightmare scenario uh, for defenses. He is so quick. He His cuts are awesome, very elusive. Uh, he's got that burst. He's just really, really dangerous out there, and I think he would be an, a, a guy that would be very, very dangerous as a yards-after-catch um, threat in the passing game with a little bit more uh, seasoning there, with a little bit more development. And I think with, with Spears, the, the key is that he needs a good offensive line um, because right now his biggest weakness, I would say, is that he just, at the actual line of scrimmage between the tackles, he just doesn't see it very well. He's a little bit hesitant. The vision there is not as good as it is for him on the outside or, you know, once he gets to the second level. But if he can get sprung, if he can get that hole that the Falcons offensive line were opening these holes all season long last year, if he can get a hole like that, to run through he can be a big play machine this is a guy that was one of the best in college football 20 i think it was like over 20 touchdowns um he, this is a great situation for him to come into this is an offensive line that can help him maximize his strengths and the falcons quite honestly they don't need him to do that short yardage between the tackles dirty work they've got tyler algier they got Cordero patterson for that they, they don't need him to have to do that um so I love Tajay Spears. I think he's a really good player. I think in this fourth round range, they should absolutely snap him up if he if he lasts in, it, into this 
area of the draft because he's a really dynamic, exciting player that that would really add some some another dimension of, of ability to the run game and to the offense as a whole. Um, going on to pick one thirteen in the fourth round. This is where we're finally going to take that edge rusher. I know there's probably a conspicuous lack of edge rushers up to this point. I'm sure some people would be upset by that, but let me talk you through like why I'm waiting on edge rusher. Um, and the reason is like, you just need to look at the death chart um, and listen to what guys have said. Right. So right now I would say the Falcons have five edge rushers that should be considered more or less roster locks. They've got Calais Campbell, who, on a recent podcast, I believe it was the crew with Josina Anderson, Clayus Campbell specifically said he came to Atlanta because Atlanta, he had a, first of all, he loved the coaching staff, you know, all that stuff. You've heard all that, right? He got a really good feeling about it. His gut told him to sign with Atlanta, but it wasn't just that. He loved that Atlanta wanted him to play edge. They wanted him to play edge rusher because he wanted to play edge rusher. He only gotten to play edge rusher three times in, in his NFL career, true edge rusher. And he thought that was where he actually was best. Um, but teams just weren't willing to give him chances to do it outside of Jacksonville. And for those that don't remember, Jacksonville, his seasons there uh, in 2017 was his career best season, where I believe he was second in defensive player of the year voting. A first team all pro, uh, 14 and a half sacks. Uh, I mean, this guy just crushed it. I mean, uh, 14 and a half sacks, 14 tackles for loss. Uh, just an absurd amount of, of pressures as well. Um, just really dynamic. And then the next year, uh, 10 and a half sacks, 20 tackles for loss. Uh, so again, he had some really elite seasons there. Now, I don't think we're expecting that sort of play from him at this point, but he really wanted to play edge. He's going to play edge. So I had him written down at edge. That seemed to catch some flag from people. And I'm trying to tell you, like, he's here to play edge. So if, if you count him as an edge rusher... You've got Campbell. You've got Lorenzo Carter, who the team just re-signed. You've got Bud Dupree, who didn't sign actually for as big of a contract as we initially thought, but he is making, I believe, $2.5 million guaranteed with the potential to get up to $5 million with incentives. And then you've got two day two picks from last year, who I'm sure the team is going to want to feature, and at least at least in the case of D'Angelo Malone, like continue to develop. Um in Arnold Abacady and and D'Angelo Malone. So that's already five guys, right? Five. You look at the defensive line, the interior group, and you've got another four, I would say, that are are probably safe bets to make the roster, right? Um, Grady Jarrett, David Onyemata, and then Taquan Graham and Eddie Goldman at nose tackle. Um, Now, you know, if Goldman sticks around, great. If not, then it'll be some different nose tackle. But one nose tackle is taking up that spot. That's already nine guys, right? And you're you're probably thinking they're they can add one more guy, and then that that's pretty much it. Like you teams keep nine or ten defensive linemen typically, so there's room for one more. Now maybe they do draft an edge rusher high still, right? But that guy is gonna be in this just massive rotation. So I. I it's not out of the question that they could still do it, especially if the value lines up really well. Like, I don't think they would hesitate to draft Tyree Wilson at eight, for example, um, or if one of the guys they really love falls to the second round. But I think they're not going to pressure, feel pressure to do that because of all the guys they've brought in. I think that's part of the reason they brought in all these guys. However, there is something to be said about the long-term outlook at, at, at the edge group because the only guys that are here 
past this season are Lorenzo Carter, Arnold Abicati, and D'Angelo Malone. Bud Dupree and Clayus Campbell are both on one-year deals. Now, those guys could come back, especially Dupree, if he plays well. Um, and Campbell, obviously, if he wants to come back. But my gut's telling me that I think the Falcons are going for more of a developmental guy. Somebody who's probably going to be the like somebody off the bench. Um, and, and I think they, in this edge class, you can get good ones still at this point. Um, so that's a long-winded way of saying I'm going to be drafting edge rusher Yaya Diaby uh, from Louisville here at pick 113. This is a guy who really got on the radar of a lot of evaluators after a, a really nice combine. Um, like really impressive stuff from Diaby. Uh, I believe he finished with like a 987 or something RAS. Uh, came with a four five one forty, which is just outstanding. Uh, jumped ten feet in the broad, thirty seven inches in the vert, both excellent. Um, has good length, over six three, over two sixty. Uh, this is a guy that is just a good player, a guy that I think has a lot of potential to develop. And right now, he's he's a good run defender. Um, I, I think that he's physical, and and he's got the plus length. He's got the plus weight. I think he can right now be a base package early down run stuffer for you. Um, so I, th- I think he would be a big upgrade over like Ogundeji at this point. Um, and I, th- and his athletic ceiling is a lot higher. I think he can really develop into a much better pass rusher. And he does give you that, you know, three down ceiling eventually. Um, but I think this is more the direction I'm thinking they'll go is for this guy that can give them something they don't have, right? Which is a bigger bodied edge rush that they only have a couple of. This is a bigger bodied edge rusher, someone who can rotate in on early downs and then has that developmental upside going forward, but isn't going to cost them a premium pick that they could probably use on someone who might get more reps right away. You know, in this case, Skaronsky or Bijan or whoever. Um, I like Diaby. I think this would be a good pick. I know it's later than a lot of people would like, but I would encourage you to look, look at Diaby, like look at his scouting reports, look at his film. This is a guy that I think would go on day two in a lot of drafts, but because this is a very, very deep class of edge rushers, he's still going to be around. Um, and I think you can afford to wait a little bit and get one of these guys, you know, Tavius Robinson is another one um, that I would consider. So this is a good place to, to get good value at edge. And we know this, this regime has frequently targeted these types of guys at this area of the draft, um, you know, D'Angelo Malone, even to some extent, right? Uh, Ogundeji, Taquan Graham. Um, so I, I think they'll be willing to do that again. Absolutely. Um, so that brings us to our two seventh round picks. And just like with the edge pick, I waited this long to take a cornerback. The first cornerback Atlanta drafts, the only one, is going to be at pick 224. Cornerback Daryl Luter Jr. from South Alabama. Um, and again, like, I, they did release Casey Hayward. I I sort of already thought they were going to do that. So it doesn't move the needle for me and my thoughts on the draft as much as maybe some people might think. I'm not saying that they won't take a corner. I think if somebody, this is basically the same exact conversation as, as edge. If you look at the depth chart, they've brought in a lot of guys. There's not really an immediate need um, for someone to step in or the depth chart's going to fall apart, right? They got AJ Terrell. They got Jeff Okuda on the outside. They got Mike Hughes in the slot. And they just added another guy in Sidney Brown who could play the slot too. Uh, and they have Darren Hall, who some fans seem to really dislike. But Darren Hall was honestly a serviceable starter uh, for the Falcons last year. I think as your corner four, that's perfectly fine. Um, and then D. Alford, who I think a lot of fans like, uh, who to be your backup slot guy and, and someone who I think you could t- continue to develop. And, you know, they brought in a lot of special teams guys, 
you know, a guy like, uh, you know, Javelin Gudry or, or Gaidry or whatever. Um, I, I like him a lot, you know, uh, he could be the cornerback six, but I think, I think you're, you're not going to shy away from adding a corner. But I think again, for the same exact reason as edge, you don't want to be in a spot where like, we have to add a corner. We need to make sure we get somebody in here or we're going to be in big trouble. Let the board fall to you and then see where you like, you take the players that you really like, you know, don't feel like you have to take X exposition instead of the guy you really wanted. Um, and I think, again, this is a very deep corner class and I think you can still get good corners late. Um, now at this point, you're looking at more developmental guys, sort of depth guys, but I think Daryl Luter Jr. is, is one that's legitimately interesting. Um, he's got good size tested out well with an 846 RAS, terrific length, really good impressed man, which I think is going to be the specialty of this secondary going forward. He was good at the senior bowl too. He wasn't as good as some of the top guys, but I think he held his own very well. Um, and the thing with Luter is that he's got to go from South Alabama to the NFL. And there's just no way that's an easy transition. It's going to be rough. It's going to take time. He doesn't need to do it immediately. This is a guy who's probably going to come in as like the cornerback five or six. Uh, we'll have, be able to contribute on special teams. We'll have an opportunity to learn and develop. And then maybe going forward, he can be a guy that, that can step in and, and provide stuff. And look, I think if he had to play, he's a gamer, you know, he, he's a guy that's got a lot of confidence and I think he'll be okay. Um, but I think long-term, this is a guy who could potentially be like a, a cornerback four type of player for you. Um, and I think that's good value here in the seventh round. Um, final pick. You know, Arthur Smith really just can't help himself with big wide receivers, right? He just needs them. He needs to collect them. He needs as many as possible. And I go, I keep coming back to a guy that they visited with multiple times. Um, I think they, he was coached at the senior, uh, not the senior bowl, the Shrine Bowl, I believe, uh, and has visited with the team as well. Um, and that's wide receiver Jadon Hazelwood from Arkansas. Uh, again, big guy, right? 6'2", 215, really strong. Unlike Jonathan Mingo, Hazelwood is more of a big slot. And you've probably heard me talk about that the Falcons don't use a slot receiver. Um, they don't frequently, but, you know, 25% of the time is still a position you need to have on your roster. And maybe, you know, I think here in the seventh round is a place where you could try to spend a little bit of capital to see if you can bring in a slot guy. Um, and I think with Hazelwood, he hasn't, he hasn't been as good as a run blocker as you would expect. He's fine. Um, at this size, you would want a guy to be better. I think that's one thing that they'll be asking him to improve, certainly. But, um, you know, I, I, I think I think he, he needs to play special teams. Again, at that size, you would think he'd have an opportunity there. He did come in with with a pretty good RAS. It was definitely above average. I think it was like a 7.79. The one thing he doesn't really have is long speed. I think he ran like in the four sixes, but explosive uh, you know, agility is not bad either. So it, he has some ability to separate. It's just not deep down the field. He's got that more short area quickness. Um, and look, this is a guy that hasn't had a lot of opportunities in one specific place. Finally got a chance. I believe he was former Georgia, former Alabama receiver or something like that. Um, but he is an Atlanta native also, uh, and finally got a chance to, to be a featured receiver and got, 702 yards and three touchdowns last year. So I think this is a guy who might be seeing his best football ahead of him for sure. Uh, I think the Falcons have interest. And at this point in the draft, I'm looking for any, any like breadcrumbs I can find. 
and receiver is always a place I think where there's there's good players available in the seventh round that you know if you want to make sure you get the one you want um draft them in the seventh instead of risking them to, to undrafted free agency so there you have it guys that is my my best guess at this draft class obviously if I get one or two picks right, I'll be pretty happy. <laughs> that's prob- that's the most you could expect. But I think these are all likely names to add to your you know mental bank of all the the dr- potential draft picks for the Falcons. So hopefully at this point, if you've seen all of my various uh, mock drafts, you you have a very good idea of a lot of potential players for the Falcons throughout this draft, and maybe they'll draft a few of them. That that's the most I can hope for. <laughs> But again, guys, thank you so much for watching. Uh, please do like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. Uh, leave us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I do want to plug one more thing real quick, and you'll want to stay around for this because in case you guys don't know, we are once again having our NFL Draft party on all three nights of the NFL Draft. We will be live, I believe, starting at 7.30 on Thursday. It will be going through all seven rounds. Uh, it's a lot of fun. If you haven't joined us for that before, we'll have lots of guests. It'll be a great time. We'll have some booze. We'll have some brews, of course, to bring in the brews part of the podcast. Um, but outside of that, we're going to be doing something extra special this year, courtesy of show benefactor George Costanza. We are going to be having a big NFL shop giveaway uh, on every single day of the draft. So on day one, day two, and day three, we'll be giving away $50 NFL shop gift cards to put towards uh, the jersey of your choice or any other NFL, you know, apparel you might be desiring, draft hats, whatever. Uh, We'll also be having a $50 giveaway exclusively for the patrons. Uh, So if you're a patron or would like to join there, it's patreon.com slash Falcoholic Live. Just keep your eyes open for that one, guys. Um, And all you need to do to get involved in these is uh, join the Discord, right? Uh, The link to which is in this show description. Uh, Subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Uh, If you could leave us a five-star review, if if you so, you know, if you feel strongly about the show that you like it, uh, we would appreciate that also, but that's not a requirement. Uh, You know, we're not going to check it. We we ask you to, you know, please leave a review if you enjoy the show, but we're not going to go check it. We'll we'll, we'll take your word for it. Um, And uh, you need to be actually present to join the giveaway live on stream and then present when we actually do the giveaway uh we'll make sure to communicate you know it'll probably be like the giveaway will run for two hours and people can join uh and then you just need to make sure you're there when the giveaway ends so that we can get in contact with you get your discord information um so that we can actually send you the gift card um but yeah guys uh it's gonna be a lot of fun really looking forward to that thanks again to george costanza for his generous donation to, to support all of that all that great stuff we're looking forward to seeing you there guys also make sure to join us if you're a patron, Monday night, you may be listening to this after that, but if you're a patron or want to get involved, uh, the patron mock draft, Monday night, 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, patreon.com slash Live for all that information. And then, of course, Wednesday at 8 p.m. on the Falcoholic Live, final live mock draft for everyone to take part in. Uh, so we encourage you to join us there as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. Very jovial atmosphere night before the draft. That's one you definitely won't want to miss. So we'll see you then, guys. Again, thanks for tuning into the Dirty Burrs and Brews podcast presented by Bet Online. Uh, We'll see you next time, folks. Have a great day.